welcome to the Bible Study Tutor. My name is Jessica Hutton. I am the host of the Bible Study Tutor podcast and the founder of the Bible Study Tutor. Today we are continuing our study of the New Testament. Today we are in Mark 7. So let's get right into the study. The passage from Mark 7 presents a pivotal moment in the ministry of Jesus, addressing the tension between religious traditions and divine commandments. The Pharisees and scribes question Jesus about his disciples' apparent disregard for the traditions of the elders, particularly their failure to observe the ritual of hand-washing before meals. Since Mark's audience consists of Gentiles, primarily Romans, he takes time to explain those Jewish rituals. In response to the Pharisees, Jesus rebukes them for prioritizing human traditions over the commandments of God, accusing them of hypocrisy and empty worship. He points out how their traditions undermine the true intent of God's law, such as honoring parents, by allowing people to neglect their familial duties under the guise of religious observance. Jesus then teaches the crowd about the true source of defilement, emphasizing that it's not external factors like food or unwashed hands that make a person unclean, but rather the evil that originates from within the heart. This teaching challenges the prevailing Jewish understanding of purity and defilement, highlighting the importance of inner righteousness over outward legalistic rituals. Interestingly, Mark points out that by making this declaration about what true defilement is, Jesus had declared all foods clean. According to Henry Turlington, quote, the wording of verse 19 seems so blunt that RSV has tempered it for modern readers. But Jesus and his contemporaries could speak of the natural processes without offense. The Greek text says that food eaten does not have to do with the heart, i.e. the mind and thought of a man. It merely passes through his stomach and out into the latrine. Therefore, Mark concludes, we have Jesus' authority for saying that the food we eat or reject neither commends us nor disqualifies us before God, end quote. Instead, Jesus emphasizes two key things that reveal true impurity, evil acts and evil attitudes. Mark lists six of each form of impurity. Now, evil acts include evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, and wickedness. Evil attitudes include deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. These 12 themes illustrate the deeper evil evils that Jesus emphasizes, moving beyond external observances to address the sinful attitudes and motivations of the heart. The list serves to underscore the idea that true defilement comes from within and emphasizes the importance of addressing such matters of the heart rather than merely adhering to external traditions. The narrative then shifts to Jesus traveling to the region of Tyre and Sidon, where he encounters a Syrophoenician woman, that is, a Gentile. James Brooke explains the significance of this section accordingly. Quote, whether Jesus went into Phoenicia immediately after preceding events is unimportant, but Mark's placing the account immediately after 7, 1 through 23 is most significant. If the proper inference from the teaching of Jesus in 7, 1 through 23 is that all foods are clean, found in verse 19, the lesson to be learned from 7, 24 through 30 is that all people are clean. 
For Mark, the excursion of Jesus into unclean Gentile territory exemplified his disregard for the concept of ritual defilement. He saw in the ministry to the woman a preview of the Gentile mission and in the response of the woman a preview of the acceptance of the gospel by the Gentiles. Mark's Gentile readers slash hearers no doubt found in the account reassurance that they were part of the true people of God. In connection with these considerations, the emphasis is not on the exorcism, but on the teaching of Jesus. The account is more of a pronouncement story than a miracle story in form. Furthermore, he continues, the woman's faith stands in contrast with the unbelief of the scribes and Pharisees. Her understanding contrasts with the disciples' dullness. End quote. The woman begged Jesus to heal her demon-possessed daughter. Initially, Jesus responds with what seems like a dismissive remark, stating that it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. However, the woman's humble and persistent faith moves Jesus, and he commends her for her faith, granting her request and healing her daughter. Following this encounter, some people presented a deaf man with a speech impediment to Jesus so that he could heal him. The man came from the region of the Decapolis. Taking the man aside to get away from the large crowds and give the man his full attention, Jesus did a series of symbolic acts and then the man was completely healed. Then Jesus instructed the witnesses not to spread the news of the miracle, but they could not contain their excitement and shared news of that miracle and marveled saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Now overall, Mark 7 portrays Jesus challenging religious traditions that prioritize outward rituals over inward righteousness. It emphasizes the importance of having genuine faith and being obedient to God's commandments over human traditions or legalism. The chapter also highlights Jesus' compassion for people outside the Jewish community, demonstrating his mission to bring healing and salvation to all people regardless of their background. So you may have noticed as we've been reading the gospel according to Mark that Mark seems to place narratives in random spots. When you're reading the gospel according to Mark, it's important to, to pause and not take for granted that you understand the story because you read it in Matthew or Luke or John. Don't ever approach it that way. Instead, pause to think, why did Mark put this here? What is significant? And the reason I'm saying that particularly regarding Mark is because his gospel really does seem like a lot of stuff are random. So you might be reading something and you say, what, 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 like with John, uh, John the Baptist's death, death in chapter six, he could have told us that John died in chapter one because that's when he brought up the fact that John was arrested by uh, Herod. But he placed it in chapter 6. And if you go back and listen to that podcast, then you'll know why he did it because I explain it. But the key is to recognize that placement and try to think about what is the author trying to convey. So when you're doing your study of the gospel according to Mark or any gospel or book of the Bible for that matter, you always want to think what is the author trying to say? How would his original audience have interpreted what he said? That's what you're looking for when someone poses that question to you. So in this case, with Jesus going to the Gentile woman and it seemed to be random placement or with Jesus healing the deaf 
man who was mute it seems random but you have to pause and think how does this fit in with everything that the author has just disclosed in this chapter and then perhaps it even goes beyond that chapter to the previous chapter and that and the ones before it that's where we get the literary context so that's just something i want you to keep in mind because as i was recording this video i figured maybe i kind of went over that way too fast and i just wanted to pause without my script to help you understand where that process where i get these ideas from and um how people do proper exegesis and follow the proper process of hermeneutics so i hope that helps in the meantime i look forward to mark chapter 8 which we are going to cover on monday so have fun reading your bibles and god bless